Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program when you visit walkintruth.com. Happy New Year! It's now 2020. Hey, join us for the next half hour to hear part five of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 called Knowledge Puffs Up, Love Builds Up. It's what comes out of a man that defiles a man. Not what goes into a man, but what comes out of a man. Food, like many things in life, is neutral. You're not better if you eat or worse if you do not eat. But food that is connected to idolatry is an issue. In fact, in the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15, 29, they said, these are the essentials we want to lay before you without any further burden. Write this down, Acts 15, 29, that you abstain from things sacrificed to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication. If you keep yourselves free from such things, you will do well. And then they say farewell. There are some essential things, and it is hard to divorce the food in this setting offered to an idol in an idol's temple to divorce that from the idolatry that is going on within it. It is hard to draw that line and to somehow compartmentalize it. In fact, I'm going to argue that you can't do it. I'm going to argue that this is not a chapter about matters of opinion and if you decide you want to go there fine and if another person says my conscience can't handle that fine no i think this is more serious than romans 14 i think paul is giving a dire warning check this out he says but take care verse 9 if you have an niv it says be careful lest this liberty see the word liberty there that's exousia in greek and it's a word that means authority or right or permission lest this authority of yours, this decision that you've made, probably a catchword for the Corinthian uh, Christians of yours, somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. Now, we saw the weak a few verses ago, and Paul says, now, be careful. You think you have a liberty to go back into the temple and do what you want to do, the pagan temples, but be careful, because this so-called right or authority that you have said you have may become an obstacle, a stumbling block, literally, it may strike at the foot or the conscience of those who are weak and cause them to fall. Here's a modern application. If you're a Christian and you say to another Christian, I believe it's okay for us to go back and do this or that, and it is overtly, clearly sinful. If you give somebody counsel to commit sin against God, and think about you guys are smart people. Think about the modern applications. Think about the professing church that is saying to people who are in overt sin, whether it's popular or not to say this, they're in outright sin against God and the church is saying, you're okay. They're winking at it. Or more so, they're even promoting it. They're saying, this is okay now. Ollie, Ollie, oxen free. The bat phone rang and God says now, that, that one doesn't really matter anymore. Because the culture's changed, so we got to change with the times, do we? And so some people actually in pastoral positions are giving people 
the authority to go back and sin against God. And I want to say this as clearly as I can. That is a grave mistake, my friend. If you tell someone you are okay to go back to this, something that's clearly God has said is sinful, you are on shaky ground, and, I, and I'm going to say you're going to answer to God for it. If you get thrown a pitch uh, about something culturally speaking and you bunt instead of taking a full swing for the sake of political correctness, fill in the blanks, I think you know what I'm talking about, and you bunt or you swing and miss because you don't want to rock the boat of the culture, you're going to answer to God. These, these things that the culture is discussing, like, for example, our our government could not even pass a law that said if a, an abortion is botched and a baby comes out alive, that that baby should be spared and given medical attention. Our government could not pass that law. They said, they voted along party lines and they said, no, 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 I'm going to vote. And whatever the vote was, I don't even care if it was close. It shouldn't have been close at all. There should have been zero on the other side. We have lost our moral conscience for the sake of political correctness or party lines if we can't even say a baby survives a botched abortion and we will not give that baby medical attention. What in the world is going on? What in the world is going on with America? And if we think we're going to get away with it, we're wrong. We're flat out wrong. Israel didn't get away with it, and America is not going to get away with it. Now, this is the kind of stuff that was going on in the first century. Because they would do egregious, immoral things around these gods and goddesses. They would have uh, unspeakable sexual sin going on. And even in Israel's history, they followed some of the idolatrous practices of the nations and sacrificed their children to these gods and goddesses. Killed their babies to fit in. To, to say, oh, well, that's what they do over there and their land seems to be prosperous, so this is what we'll do. And God says, you did things that didn't even enter into my mind. For if someone sees you, look at verse 10, who have knowledge, you, you have this so-called theological knowledge that you're good, dining in an idol's temple, will not his conscience, if he is weak, be strengthened to eat things sacrificed to idols? Now, this is a hypothetical example, but I'm sure it happened in the city. Someone's walking by and they see, see you kicking back before the idol or connected to the idol's temple and everything that goes with it, and there you are partaking. See the word to be strengthened? It's oikodomio in Greek. It's the phrase to be strengthened or emboldened is the Greek. It was used earlier in our text to denote edifying or building up people with love. But instead of the Corinthians building up people with love like in the right direction, they were emboldening them to go in the wrong direction. You don't want your example to embolden people to go in the wrong direction. You want your example to embolden or strengthen people to go in the right direction. So people were being built up 
or they were saying something like this, come on, get over it, dude. You can, you can come and do this. Come and eat up. It's cool. We, we already understand that idol's nothing. Eat up, you're good. And so the person came, let's say they've been a Christian for a year, they come bopping into the temple, they take a bite of the food before the idol, and then all of a sudden they feel condemned. Their conscience begins to say, uh-uh, this is not where you belong. But they've been strengthened by other believers to do it. For through your knowledge, 11, he who is weak, would you notice in your Bible, is what? is ruined the brother for whose sake christ died you you use this theological truth but misapply it and when you do your brother who joined you is ruined you know what the word ruined is it's apolumi in greek and it means to be destroyed wow this is not some uh, you know, kind of just matter of opinion. When he does what he does and follows your lead, he is ruined. The, the idea, and this is in the present tense, is he suffers loss. Some believe that subjectively this means that he loses his well-being because his conscience uh, beats him up, but it ruins him because in some way he returns back to idolatry. Scary. And I'll tell you this, in my first four years as a Christian, there were many times when I re returned back to my idolatry. I was a believer, but I had still plenty of friends in the world and maybe even Christian friends who were you know, weren't quite where they needed to be, and we meandered on many occasions right back to doing offerings before the idol, if you know what I'm saying. And it was hurtful to my Christian walk. In fact, I'll tell you, there was, a, there was one moment where I showed up late for church on a Sunday, and I had spent some time with the idol, to be quite candid with you. And the services were over, and I asked the pastor, is there going to be a service tonight? I was so desperate to get the good things of God into my life. And, and he looked at me, and he kind of knew what was going on with me because I had come out of a party lifestyle. And he goes, you're hurting, aren't you? And I said, yeah, I am hurting. Because I know what's right, but sometimes I just, my flesh is so weak. I, I so wanted to ingest the things of God because I had taken in the things of the idol and, and there were weekends, I'm just going to be completely candid and blunt with you, where I was depressed all weekend because I had gone back to the idol on Friday night, but I knew better. Can I get a witness? And all of a sudden, I found myself condemned even though Romans 8.1 says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I wasn't condemned in God's eyes, but I condemned myself in my own eyes because I knew I knew better. And I do believe that there are believers in the world that are genuinely struggling, so you're not alone if you struggle. But to, to build up one another, to love one another well, is not to say, I have a right to do something and I'm going to drag you into my sin. It's no, let's try to do good together. Look at 12. And thus, 
This is no soft matters of opinion language, brothers and sisters. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Do you feel equipped to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are you prepared to explain why you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Do you find it difficult to defend your Christian faith? The Ministry of Walk in Truth and Pastor Michael Lance would like to give you a copy of his book, Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. My hope in writing the book was to help each and every one of us know how to put on this armor so that we can be effective in our Christian walk and not fall and hurt ourselves and others. And of course, you know, we should be thinking about we don't want to dishonor our God who purchased us. And so we put on the provision. That's the takeaway is, hey, I know how to do this now. We will send you a copy of Suit Up as a thank you when you send a financial gift of $5 or more to Walk in Truth. Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we appreciate your help to broadcast and grow the ministry to more radio stations. Please give online at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com. Click the Donate button or call 844-48-TRUTH. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. This is not some, uh, you know, kind of just matter of opinion. When he does what he does and follows your lead, he is ruined. The, the idea, and this is in the present tense, is he suffers loss. Some believe that subjectively this means that he loses his well-being because his conscience uh, beats him up, but it ruins him because in some way he returns back to idolatry. Scary. And I'll tell you this, in my first four years as a Christian, there were many times when I returned back to my idolatry. I was a believer, but I had still plenty of friends in the world and maybe even Christian friends who you know, weren't quite where they needed to be and we meandered on many occasions right back to doing offerings before the idol, if you know what I'm saying. And it was hurtful to my Christian walk. In fact, I'll tell you, there was, a, there was one moment where I showed up late for church on a Sunday and I had spent some time with the idol, to be quite candid with you. And the services were over and I asked the pastor, is there going to be a service tonight? I was so desperate to get the good things of God into my life. And, and he looked at me and he kind of knew what was going on with me because I had come out of a party lifestyle. And he goes, you're hurting, aren't you? And I said, yeah, I am hurting because I know what's right, but sometimes I just, my flesh is so weak. I, I so wanted to ingest the things of God because I had taken in the things of the idol and, and there were weekends, I'm just going to be completely candid and blunt with you, where I was depressed all weekend because I had gone back to the idol on Friday night, but I knew better. Can I get a witness? And all of a sudden, I found myself condemned, even though Romans 8.1 says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I wasn't condemned in God's eyes, but I condemned myself in my own eyes because I knew I knew better. And I do believe that there are 
believers in the world that are genuinely struggling, so you're not alone if you struggle, but to, to build up one another, to love one another well, is not to say, I have a right to do something and I'm going to drag you into my sin. It's no, let's try to do good together. Look at 12. And thus, this is no soft matters of opinion language, brothers and sisters. And thus, by sinning against the brethren and wounding, it speaks of striking vigorous blows or beating their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Now, essentially, this is what this means. If you're a Christian, you're in Christ. Christ lives in you. Your body, we saw earlier in Corinthians, is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. You've been bought with a price. So now, let's say that you were the Pied Piper and you led someone back into compromise and they were wounded. Here again, their conscience. See the word conscience? It's two Latin words. Con means with and science means knowledge. So conscience means with knowledge. So they went in there and with knowledge, they sinned against their conscience. And so now, now they're wounded. And when that happens, look at middle of 12. You sin against Christ because they're in Christ and you're in Christ. Remember when Paul was on the road to Damascus and he saw this brilliant life and he was knocked, brilliant light and he was knocked off his high horse. And he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul. This is Acts 9, 4, and 5. Why do you persecute me? Who, you, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And then he says, what would you have me to do, Lord? Get up, go into the city. You'll be shown what you must do. See, every time Paul struck a blow against the church, he was doing it to Jesus. Why do you persecute me? Well, Saul didn't have a chance to persecute Jesus directly that we know of, but he was persecuting the church. And by virtue of doing that, he was persecuting the Lord. Remember in Matthew 25, 45, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And to the extent that you did it to the, one of these least of these, you did it, what? For me. So when we do something good, Matthew 25 it's as if we did it for the Lord. You give a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus. You reach out to someone who's broken and hurting and you did it to him. But when you hold back, or worse yet, 1 Corinthians 8, you lead someone down the wrong path, you hurt the Lord. In fact, this language says you sin against the Lord. I want you to turn to the book of Ezekiel in the Old Testament, chapter 6, and I'm going to read a little story for you about something that happened in a classroom. Ezekiel chapter 6. A young lady named Sally took a seminary class taught by Professor Smith, who was known for his elaborate object lessons. One day Sally walked into class to find a large target placed on the wall with several darts resting on a nearby table. Professor Smith told the students to draw a picture of someone they disliked or someone who made them angry, and he would allow them to throw darts at the person's picture. Well, Sally's friend on her right drew a picture of another woman who had stolen her boyfriend. Another friend on her left drew a picture of his younger brother. Can I get a witness? Anyway, 
Sally drew a picture of Professor Smith putting great detail into her drawing, even drawing pimples on his face. She was quite pleased at the overall effect she'd, she'd achieved. The class lined up and began throwing darts amidst much laughter. Some of the students threw with such force that they ripped apart their targets. But Sally, looking forward to her turn, was filled with disappointment when Professor Smith himself asked the students to return to their seats so he could begin the lecture. As Sally fumed about missing her chance to throw the darts, the professor began removing the target from the wall. Underneath the target was a picture of Jesus. A hush fell over the room as each student viewed the mangled image of the Savior. Holes and jagged marks covered his face. His eyes were virtually pierced out. Professor Smith said only these words. Inasmuch as you have done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. We can find that we can take our anger out. We can laugh about it. But we, you know, we have a God who is so intimately involved in our lives. He actually cares about how we treat each other, the darts that we throw at each other. And he apparently takes it so personally that he says, when you do it to them, you've done it to me. Now check this out. This is Ezekiel 6, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, set your face toward the mountains of Israel and prophesy against them. Ezekiel 6.3 Say, mountains of Israel, listen to the word of the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God to the mountains, the hills, the ravines, and the valleys. Behold, I myself am going to bring a sword on you and will destroy your high places. So your altars will become desolate, your incense altars will be smashed, and I shall make your slain fall in front of your idols. You wanted to fall in front of them? Okay. I'll allow that. I shall also lay the dead bodies of the sons of Israel in front of their idols and shall scatter your bones around your altars. In all your dwellings, cities will become waste and the high places will be desolate. That your altars, these are to all the false gods, may become waste and desolate. Your idols may be broken and brought to an end. Your incense altars may be cut down and your works may be blotted out. And the slain will fall among you, and you will know that I am the Lord. You'll know that I'm the true God, and they're all false. You're listening to Walk in Truth, and this was part five of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians 8 called Knowledge Puffs Up, Love Builds Up. I got a question for you. Are you a reader? Are you reading content that's edifying to your daily walk as a believer? Subscribe for free today to get the Walk in Truth devotional. Read a verse from the Bible followed by a thought for the day related to it. You can get the devotional by email or by text. Visit walkintruth.com or text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Again, text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, I'd like to wish you a very happy New Year's Day. And it's always exciting to be thinking about a new year and you might have kind of the, the post-Christmas blues and maybe even the post-New Year's Eve blues, but remember, it's a new day. You're a new creation in Christ. His mercies are new every morning, and God's going to do great things in your life. Just keep your eyes on Him. Keep walking 
with Jesus, walking in the Spirit, and building up others with His love. Well, do you have such a huge need to be right that you forget to be loving when proving it? That's the question. You know, sometimes when we look at relationships and marriages and, you know, relationships that have gone south, maybe uh, a difficulty in a church or a business, the reason is, is because we're so worried about being right than worried about being loving. You know, 1 Corinthians 16, at the end of the book, it says, let all that you do be done in love. You could say it this way, let all that you do be driven by love. Let it, Let the motive be love. And love wants the best for others. It doesn't mean that you're going to stay quiet all the time. It doesn't mean that you're going to be somebody's doormat. But it means that you don't have to be right. This is not about winning an argument. It's about showing the love of Christ to others. And that often becomes a bridge to healing. And it can become a bridge to sharing the gospel with somebody. And it can become a bridge to just making someone feel special instead of feeling beat up. That's really what 1 Corinthians chapter 8 is all about. And really, when you think about the book of 1 Corinthians, it's all about building others up and not tearing them down. So I'd like to extend our blessings to you and your family at the beginning of this new year. We're excited to be on this journey together. Be praying for us. We'll be praying for you. If you have a prayer request, reach out to us at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to hear your comments about how the program is blessing you. And we'll catch you next time on The Pope. Tune in tomorrow for the conclusion of Pastor Michael's message in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 called Knowledge Puffs Up, Love Builds Up. I'm Mike Massaro. Happy New Year. Have a great 2020. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. As always, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.